I okay before we start have you seen all those memes memes about Halloween and you know like Halloween one I saw was like um this is probably going to be inappropriate Chaz is going to cut it but it's like hallow his name leave the ween out oh <laughs> I have not seen that I haven't heard that Churches really put Oddly that enough, up. I do have that tattoo, though. Yes! That's See, funny. this is what we needed. Isn't it also like Reformation Day? Did y'all know that? Yeah, don't church, mm-hmm. some churches, like, not go trick-or-treating and, like, have um, stuff about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I thought it was, it, I thought it was also, the, I thought it was also the day that Luther uh, n- nailed the theses to the door. And oh. like started the revolution. October thirtieth. Th- October thirty first. I think. Oh. oh, I might have to look this up. Interesting. Did y'all know that? No. Nope. Uh, you don't believe it me? Sounds kind of familiar, but maybe it just, I've just sounds been good. Dressing up all these years and not it, celebrating it, it, the Reformation because it, it's called uh, All Hallows Eve was the day that he did it. Yeah. Okay. Reformation Day is a Protestant Christian religious holiday celebrated on the 31st of October alongside All Hallows Eve. There we wow. go. And we'll end it with that. Thanks for joining Christ. There we yes. <laughs> this has been Scott's interview. <laughs> yeah. We're done. Hey there, Christ City Church. No, you don't need to adjust the dial. You clicked the correct episode. This was recorded a few months ago, right around the time of Halloween, which is why it showed up in our cold open. Today's conversation is between myself, Rory, and Scott Nance, where we sat down and discussed community, how introversion and extroversion can influence and impact how we experience life in a faith community. We talk about what it means to be hospitable and how the Lord sometimes uses our own hospitality and the hospitality of others to break us free and deliver us from patterns of self-isolation. And lastly, we talk about great books and we talk about what it means to make a list. And hopefully that'll make more sense by the end of this conversation. And so we're excited to share this episode with you. Enjoy the conversation. everyone this is rory and i'm here with Chaz and scott and this is Hello. the christ city cast scott welcome hey thanks we're so happy to have you here today um i'm excited um that you're here today we you know run in some of the same circles at christ city mm-hmm. but i don't really know you all that well so i'm excited to get to interview and hear more about your life and sure great to be here kind of just all about scott <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up, things like that. Yeah, um, I really grew up between Texas and Kansas. Uh, I was born in Pittsburgh, Kansas, lived there till I was three, and then moved to Denison, Texas. And then we moved back to the suburbs of Kansas City when I was 10. And so even though I've been here 16 years, I still really claim Kansas City as home. It's where my mom... Are and, you a Chiefs fan? Um... I'm a Fairweather Johnson, you know. Uh, I went up for the first Super Bowl to watch it because it's fun because my mom and stepdad are really into it. But, uh, I mean, growing up there, the Royals and the Chiefs were the best farm teams in sports. And uh, so it's been cool to watch that. But I'm a Royals fan, not so much a Chiefs fan. Got it. So, yeah, um, grew up there, went to K-State, even though I was a KU fan. Grew up going to a lot of KU basketball games. But... um, 
didn't even play in high school, so I wouldn't have made the team. But yeah, K State studied landscape architecture, which is really what brought me down to Dallas. Um, did that until the beginning of this year, in which I switched careers. Um, those are, I guess, kind of location cliff notes. I'm fascinated. This is neither here nor there, but how did you like landscape architecture? Mm-hmm. How did how? Yeah, <laughs> that's so fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, so my first year of college, I studied secondary education with an emphasis in English. And when I found out that the schooling looked a lot like high school and that I didn't just get to read all the time, I uh, realized I should probably look into something else. Um, and my uncle is a landscape architect. He actually was head of construction for the National Park Service for a long time. Okay, and yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So my mom kind of mentioned that and brought that up. He actually went to K-State. He's a K-State fanatic. And... Um, so I went and checked out the college and went and toured it and got deceived by all the pretty pictures and then um, went to school for six more years. Did you say deceived? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, it wound up being a lot more tedium and, you know, coordination and all that. It's not really, I was good at design and the, I like the pretty pictures, but the kind of political process of getting things built, I found that I did not enjoy as much. Got it. <clears throat> and now you're in my world. You're in accounting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm surrounded by accounts anyway. I'm. I'm. Me uh, too. I'm. Uh, do you do BD for accounting? No. So I work Wait, for the Texas say? Society of CPAs. So I'm around accountants as well. Ah, I'm not fantastic. an accountant, yeah. but I work for them, yeah. and I know how their brains work. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm actually not necessarily around a lot of accountants because what we do is the the CPAs that work for my company Embark. Um, I just feel like I was doing a plug. Um, That's a shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. We'll link it in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We don't have show notes, but we do now. (laughs) Um, You know, a lot of people think we're a staffing agency, but we actually place our own accountants in other companies to do special projects that aren't your day-to-day accounting activities. So, yeah, there you go. So I spend the day trying to connect people with our consultants. Wild ride. Yeah. From landscape architecture. Yeah. Placing CPAs on special uh, projects. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I like it a lot better though, so that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. So, how did you and Maria end up here at Cray City? Like, what was that journey? Yeah. So or I'm just out. You said you've been in Dallas for 16 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we both went to the village for a long time, and and our social circles actually just like ran into each other about once a year. So Maria and I knew each other for a while. Um, we'll connect later. I'm sure we know some of the same people. Uh, probably, but, um, so we were at the village, I'm trying to think of my personal church history, it's kind of all over the place, anyway, while I was there, I met Jeremy, and, uh, a long time ago at, uh, oh, I didn't know that, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't either, (laughs) (laughs) he was leading something at, uh, what was, I can't remember the name of it, but once a year they do a big push where you go into communities and do projects, yes, and, uh, I met him, I mean, basically in passing at that, and, um, and so I kind of knew who he was and then I knew of Christ City through different friends and uh, Ben Mayer came here and we're good friends and so it, up, it, yeah. <laughs> so it was somewhere on my radar and then when we moved over to Lockwood a couple blocks away from Jeremy um, and somebody mentioned that like you know a part of it had to do with the proximity of community there were several um, families from the church in the neighborhood and that was part of uh, the appeal so we came and checked it out and just loved the nature and everything going on here so
remember the the first y'all came on like Christmas Eve mm-hmm. one year or something, the first time, and just uh, anyways, and as an encouragement to you, Maria, I don't know if you remember this, Rory, but they came. She was like nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. It was Christmas Eve or something, and they didn't know anybody. You came to the gathering and then went to dinner with like half the church mm-hmm. afterwards, mm-hmm. as like completely don't know anybody. And uh, we had we went to some kind of not so great Italian restaurant. I don't remember what it that was. That was good. I don't, yeah, I don't remember was, the name of it. Yeah, I, but anyways, it just as an encouragement to y'all, that was like my first um, experience with y'all. And it was, I just thought it was really neat that y'all were just so willing to kind of jump oh, in. And then y'all had a baby, so I didn't see you for again for <laughs> a long time. And I remember thinking, oh, that didn't go so well. They uh, didn't like us. And then, but here you are, what, yeah, two yeah. years later? Yeah. Three I was going to say, and what I remember great. about y'all first started coming is Lucy in her fitty pajamas because we were still meeting mm-hmm. at night. And mm-hmm. so she would always oh. come in her fitty pajamas because it was time for her to go to bed, I think, yeah. as soon as church was uh, over. I think she just lived in those for a good stretch. But and thanks also, for being I still generous. tell Maria all the time, I was like, I really miss Lucy's fitty pajamas. <laughs> well, <laughs> we do too. Like, I feel like you miss every week. They grow up really quick. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, so that... You said, I heard you before we started talking about your journey to Christ City, you said you had, like, a varied background, mm-hmm. like, growing up with the church, like... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if you want to go all the way back, you could almost uh, view my parents as, like, a physical representation of uh, wrestling with your flesh and the spirit, because I was raised in church by my mom, and then my dad was... Uh, I've always described him as being about as absent as you can be for being present, and he... Um, I don't know how you put it. Probably, by the blessing of God, probably would have led me in the other direction from faith had he cared to have more influence in life. And uh, that's kind of the way he was raised, the way his dad was, was, you know, kids should be seen on occasion and never heard. And so, yeah, so I was raised in the church by my mom um, later in life. My dad passed in 2007, and the last two years of his life, he uh, um, did show big signs of coming to Christ, and so that was really neat. But raised in the church, ultimately by my mom, had a really, uh, we, we moved back to Kansas when I was 10, and we started shortly after that going to a church called First Presbyterian in Olathe, Kansas, and that was a super amazing and unique uh, experience. All my friends from that church still get in, in touch and talk about the fact that it was really unique because we really, it wasn't just our friends, like we ran around with our friends and their families, and so it was an amazing place to uh, grow up through high school. Especially since I wrestled with, uh, you know, it's kind of like even though he wasn't necessarily, I guess your dad's always going to be influential if he's around, whether it's very intentional or not. And so I obviously had my own demons to wrestle with, and that was a huge blessing in high school to have that. And then, um, man, this is weird. Now that I think about it, in college... You know, I don't know that I actually attended church real often. I would do like the... Like I, that's kind of the norm, right? Is <laughs> it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I've never thought about that fact, but I mean, all of my friends were believers and I live with them all the time. But yeah, this is the first time it's dawned on me that I'm not really sure I uh, attend anywhere regularly, if hardly at all. And so I'm going to have to process that one on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my last year there, I lived with uh, a guy named Vaughn Kohler, who was the youth pastor at a church that I attended when I did go. And living, he was an extreme extrovert, and living with, my family was really introverted. And living with him really got me out of my shell. Um, and God always just surrounded me with the most amazing f- people. So, in fact, one of them was 
uh, a girl named Meredith Ivy at K-State, and she always talked about her brother Colby. And she actually came to K-State from Dallas. I moved to Dallas, um, started going to the village. Man, this is a weirdly convoluted story. My last year of school, <laughs> I went to college for seven years. My last year there, I became friends with a younger guy named John Bostwick. I moved to Dallas. Uh, he wanted me to hang out with his sister, so I went to her birthday party, meet a guy named Josh Bashaw. And Josh, like, if you know Josh, five minutes in, he's like, hey, you need, you need roommates? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Calls me a week later and says, uh, I got another guy's name's Colby. You're going to love him. Colby, Colby, Colby. And I was just like, wait, are you talking about Colby Ivy? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm friends with his sister. Like, really random. The fact that I could even connect that it was a Colby associated with, with yeah. Meredith was kind of cool. And then um, that season was just was huge. God surrounded me by, like, the, those guys that who were unbelievably substantial and, and – uh, Loving me in that season, in a season when my dad was actually dying. Uh, he died yeah. uh, maybe, I don't know, eight months after I moved down here. And so that was huge and influential. And then I, they were at the village, and the village and Matt Chandler were really transformative in my faith and really kind of coming to understand or beginning to understand my faith on my own and not so much just church is a place you go and, and you know, say the right words and show up on Sundays. And it became a more personal thing, living with those guys and going to the village. I uh, went there for several years, and then I moved down to Dallas. And oh, so this this time you were at, in Flower Mound this whole time. Um, so yeah, when I moved in with those guys, it was up in Carrollton, and so we'd go up to Flower yeah. Mound, and then I think I started going to the Dallas campus when it opened, and then after that, I um, I don't I don't remember the nature of why I left the village, but I was at New St. Peter's for a while, and uh, Marie and I tried PCPC, and now yeah. you're here. Yeah. So talking about your dad a little bit, mm -hmm. how does that influence like how you are as a father now? Is that has that heavily influenced like what like when you wanted to have children and what that looks like? And um, it probably has, but I don't know how. I mean, like I, I don't I don't know that I think about it much anymore. <laughs> you know, like he passed like I mean, obviously does because he shaped me, but he passed like 15 years ago and. Uh, it's an interesting question because I just re recently realized, like, I enjoy Lucy so much naturally. Like, sometimes I actually feel kind of like an idiot because, like, she'll just make me giggle like crazy all the time. <laughs> um, and dads have to be pretty well. Silly. And that's what yeah. I was thinking. Like when you were talking about how you said earlier, your dad was more of like he was present but not present. Mm -hmm. So you were seen but not heard. Like mm -hmm. I didn't. I'm assuming, and just from, from how I see you interact with Lucy, that's not the same kind yeah. of relationship that yeah. you have with her. Yeah. No. Well, and I mean, you know, I was close with my mom, and so I was, all my mental energy was really trying to spent on figuring out why I was depressed or emotional or why what was driving all those emotions. And um, so my mom was always a good outlet for that, and then kind of learning uh, a sermon by John Piper in which he mentions spiritual depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Like that book really helped me begin to understand how you talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. And so I was always really close with my mom, which is probably why I probably relate to Lucy more in terms of how my mom raised me than my dad did. So, yeah. yeah. And then a lot of his influences, um, you know, just, I mean, <laughs> really true truly the blessing of the Lord have just kind of been shed because yeah. he did put me in a more social, I mean, my family was really introverted. Like if you were in our house and your door was shut, that's your space and people leave you alone. And that's pretty much how it operated. Uh, and then there's actually a really like pointed, there was a point in college where I lived with my friend James. So <laughs> by the grace of God, he, he had me become friends with these guys in college who were from Kansas city, Kansas, which is quote unquote considered the ghetto. 
and they had no boundaries. So my family was all boundaries and they had no boundaries and they wound up becoming my best friends. And, um, that was a long adjustment period. Cause I was just like, well, my door's shut. Like, and <laughs> there's no knocking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. But it was really cool. Cause, uh, it was his last year of college. Like I said, I went there for a while, but my buddy James and I, uh, shared an apartment essentially. And, uh, one night I shut my door and he burst in and my anger flared up really quick, but it immediately went away. And it was like the Lord showing me, it was the only, it made me realize like that's the only time that year I'd shut my door. Um, and he opened it and I feel like it was just God having me do all that to remind me and show me like, do you realize like you're not isolated anymore? And, uh, and so it's continued to be a growing process of coming out of that. I think my, you know, Due to his demons, my dad was really hidden, and I think we really adopted that for a long time. And so, as he, the Lord's provided opportunities to come out of that, um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of that's been shed. year our friend Ben has been living with us and that's been uh again I feel like it's another like like I said when my friend James opened the door and and like my emotions went like that but we're immediately stifled this hasn't been that fast but we've he actually moves um to Florida on Monday and yeah yeah and in the last month it's been interesting because it's three adults and one child living in a 1400 square foot house for a year and I mean, it, it would really be great to have been here on this because he lived across the hall from me before I got married. <laughs> and he can tell you how much, I mean, it, it just used to be, you know, you could tell like when you weren't wanted around from me. And so he's been there for a year and it's been great. And, uh, but I've all, it, it, what am I trying to say? It's been interesting to recognize, like I've heard the term ambervert, which is really falling somewhere in between an introvert and an extrovert. And I think that's, which, I mean, if you knew who I was, it truly is amazing that for a year I could, uh, we could live in close proximity and know and really get frustrated or annoyed on any kind of monumental level by any means, and it'd be great. And then also begin to recognize he went home to Connecticut, and I could see, like, wow, like, it's it's amazing that I have this kind of bandwidth, but I'm also noticing I do need moments of quiet more than I'm getting. Yeah. And that not being a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, actually, it being... I'd say it's it's in such a healthy place. It's it's just amazing because I just needed my own time. I, I basically lived alone, uh, kind of isolated. So it's pretty cool to see that like I can healthily. And we, I mean, we've talked about those things, and we both we're both really there. It's just kind of like, man, it's been great. 
And it's awesome that we're leaving on a positive note and that we're, I guess, mature enough to recognize like, and it's good to know it's time to move on. And we're still friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I don't, I think there is, I mean, as he moves out, it's funny you ask that question because I do, like Maria and I have even talked some about like, I, I love that. Like, I love been being there. I love really being in one another people's lives to where, you know, I think I've heard Keller talk about it before, but it's one thing to say, hey, this is what's going on last week. And it's another thing to be there in the midst of like, I'm having a really hard time. And I know I'm not uh, like my emotions don't align up with what I can even see, but that's where I'm at. And, and those moments are way are just way different. And I've always just loved those. And so as he moves away, uh, your question kind of comes up like well, here's community built into your house. And I think I do, I have been registering some fear of like, I don't want to go back to being introverted. And with the pace of a city and everything everybody has going on, and especially with kids, I I think I do start to register like, oh man, it worries me a little. Like, I don't want to go back to, like, I love the idea of our kids being raised in a house where communities around. And I think about families I knew growing up who had taken exchange students and, um, was open door policy and what that looked like and always loved that. And so, yeah, yeah, it's funny now to think back on things that, like I said, like, Oh wow. I, you know, I didn't really go to church in college. That's actually shocking to you me. You were just reading. Yeah. I was just reading. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I grew up in a family of readers on my mom's side. Anyway, uh, my grandfather was, he's the one who got me into mystery reading and my mom was a big reader. And so ultim- mystery reading. Well, I mean, across the board now, Which but mysteries. like Sherlock Holmes. Okay. As a kid, the things that got me into reading were kind of mysteries and my teacher's an alien and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah. So what is it now? Like, what do you like reading now? Everything. Uh, I, I love, like I said, I was kind of an emotional kid, and I think a lot of my mental energy, energy? <laughs> I read real well. Um, is that is entergy like strategery? <laughs> yes, and the entergy. Um, I had all this energy, and all of it was spent focusing on trying to figure out why I was so depressed. And so it's funny because I read a lot, and then when I my last year of college, I read How to Read a Book, and everybody thinks I'm kidding when I talk about how How to Read a Book is my Mort- second favorite book. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mortimer Adler, like, man. Yeah. Yeah, um, I want to know the first after the story. Oh, it's the Bible. Oh, of course. Sorry, (laughs) what a dumb question. Sorry, Christ City. Um, And that book, like, I mean, I read my whole life, and it was funny to read that book and realize, like, I didn't know how to read critically. I, uh, it was just, uh, yeah. So that was transformative. And then, I mean, reading movies, all of it. I, I think, uh, you know, whether it's nature or nurture, just trying to focus on what was going on with me emotionally. I just was always a super curious person. And over time, the Lord's been teaching me to point that to things outside of myself instead of just trying to figure myself out. And I just always love books. You know, when the Bible talks about scales falling from your eyes, or I think G.K. Chesterton said uh, the full quote is, Elephant- elephantine adventures in pursuit of the obvious. But like even reading that, pursuit of the obvious, like I feel like it helped me understand uh, putting it that way is like always what it was, right? It wasn't that I was like really getting smart. It was just like what wasn't, ob- and Mortimer Adler talks about this in How to Read a Book, what wasn't obvious before becomes obvious, which really is kind of an irrational way of putting it, but mm-hmm. it's perfect. And I just always love finding like, oh, that's what I was thinking. That, and I think Lewis talks about finding, you know, good teachers or people who listen to what you're learning and then point you towards those people who can lead you to where the thinking on that is presently. 
And that's what I always loved about books. It was I, I came to find like, it, and sometimes it's really neat, right? You think you have an original idea, and then you find out, oh, somebody else has thought about this, and then they help frame it and take you down that road. And it just always, I don't know, reading and all that stuff always just plugged me into identifying a lot of what was going on with me, and I just always loved that. And uh, that, and, and again, like my hope these days is always like more external and help me understand what goes on with people and how to relate to them and other people's experiences. Important question. (laughs) Do you still read physical books or do you do like the Kindle or do you do like the audio books? I do all of it. Um, In fact, a lot of times, so the first rule of reading is to read an entire book and as close to one sitting as you can get. (laughs) Is that from how to read a book? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And, um, and so I'll use Audible a lot of times to do that precursory reading. And then if it's one that I find that like I would really like to study, I'll, I'll usually get a physical copy. Depending on what it is, I'll do Kindle uh, if, I, if it's kind of structural. I just want to take notes and parse it down. And um, basically there's just a bunch of the book that is stories that I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, I, they don't help me much. I would rather you just get to the point. I'll take notes on a Kindle that way, and then, um, you know, like if it's a book I really want to digest, I'll get a physical copy and do notes. So are you reading, see, in our conversations, I I always thought you read mostly fiction, but the way you're describing it now, it sounds like you're reading a lot of nonfiction, too. Is that? Yeah, I've always just kind of liked to read everything. Um, Whatever strikes your fancy? Well, kind of. I, I... I don't even know where I first learned about it, but I've always just been enamored with the idea of the classical education system, and yeah. that's based on the trivium, which is grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And so, like, oh, now we're getting into I that. I know, right? Now we're getting into it. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of classicists. Is that a word? I don't know if that's what you call people that are into classical <laughs> education. But we'll go. With well, it. that's also like energy and strategy. So keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we got a lot of people that are really into that. You know, yeah. I go to a classical school, so yeah. But anyways, keep. keep yeah. Well, no, I just love, I mean, again, like part of it is just the backbone, the classical, like it's education in general, like this fascination with like learning whatever puzzle pieces you can um, and it just making sense of things in life. And so, and even, I mean, learning about the classical education system, it helped me understand a lot of the confusion I had growing up because if you get into it, grammar is the building, I mean, the classical education system teaches you how to educate yourself on whatever subject you may be interested in. And so grammar, logic, and rhetoric really breaks down to grammar isn't a linguistic thing. It's saying the building blocks of whatever you're wanting to study. And then uh, logic is analyzing those building blocks and rhetoric is learning to express your opinion about what you analyzed. And the way our culture goes about that is reversed. Like you, uh, you know, we teach people like self-expression is ultimate and just go for it. And without grammar and logic, it's a lot like trying to squeeze water from a dry sponge. And that's been my experience. Like I can play the guitar, but it's because I learned from tablature and I didn't learn the building blocks. And so uh, as I reach a place where it was kind of like identity wrapped around that. And as I reach a place where it's more about the enjoyment of it, I'm kind of hamstrung because I learned this weird way of believing the greats just expressed themselves and didn't actually know a lot about music and Lo and behold, they know a ton about music. Yeah, you hear stuff like, yeah, Jimi Hendrix couldn't read music and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, maybe he couldn't read music, but he knew his scales. Yeah, he knew <laughs> he knew everything. He can't read <laughs> notes on a staff. Yeah. Um, and so that's where, I don't know, like I said, I mean, you can almost hear it in all of this. Like, as puzzle pieces fall in place, I just want to read more because it makes me just go, oh, you know, 
That was should have been obvious. <laughs> um, Another important question. Uh huh. Do you have a library? <laughs> to the chagrin of my wife, I do. <laughs> Maybe we should cut May that I out. Come Can I answer that again? <laughs> no, may I come over and look? Yeah. I love looking at people, yeah. like the books people have in their libraries. Oh, me too. I mean, I. I mean, I've always said, and I've never kidded, like, I wanted to live in a library. Like, part of design was, like, I still love design. I still love architecture, and I just love books and being I always thought it would books. be cool to have, like, a whole wall of shelves with the ladder, you know, like you see in movies. Oh, I used to. So I can just, like, swing mm-hmm. back and forth getting my books off shelves. So I used to carry this notebook around in high school, and this was, I actually had, healthily, I threw it away, and I used to keep lists of everything I wanted. And uh, like in a house, <laughs> everything. Everything. Like I mean, I'm not even anything. everything. You kept a running. <laughs> everything. You kept a running Christmas list. That's all amazing. Year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all so the fun. time, and would edit it and prune it, and then I finally realized, edit like, it and print I'm, I, it. I, no, prune, prune. Oh, prune. Uh, oh, prune. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was totally insane. I threw it. Away. <laughs> I, I threw it away when I realized, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find myself believing life will add up when I get these things, I was like, uh, I need to throw this away and, and be done with if it. If you would have laminated it, that might have been. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't have shocked we me if I would have gotten to, there. We and might have had it. to do an intervention. Great. <laughs> yeah, so I heard somebody talk about how enjoying things without having to own them, and I realized, like, no, that's probably a better strategy. <laughs> than keeping that's this great. list of yeah. things. I still amazing. do lists. I mean, I love, I have my grandfather's reading lists, which I'd like to frame at some oh, point. That's pretty uh, cool, though. Yeah, that's they're cool. really neat. Uh, so, yeah. Speaking of reading lists... What books uh, have had the most impact on you as a person, but mm-hmm. also like in your faith journey? Like, what mm-hmm. what are one of those books you go, man? I remember finishing that, and there was just something about that story or that idea, and I just walked away from that book thinking, wow, I I think I'm I love Jesus a little bit more now from that experience. Other than the and Bible, yes, other other than, than the Bible, mm-hmm. and so like in fiction or nonfiction or either, yeah, either, either or. Yeah. yeah, I mean, spiritual depression I mentioned earlier that was a huge one. And, Martin and Jones. Yeah, yeah, and he just it really unpacks how the Psalms can sound schizophrenic and saying, "I know you'll never leave," and then literally in two lines, like, <laughs> "Where are you?" Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and so that was a big one for me in learning to. I don't know how to put it other than to just say circumstances. You st- anything I would read would almost seems like it would push me around and just lead me wherever it wanted to. And so it, w- it was almost a lesson in application of faith and going, wait a minute, what are you believing in the way you're responding to this? And maybe you need to talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. Uh, so that's one. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean... Mere Christianity when I was younger. Uh, Mere Christianity and Orthodoxy are two that I love because in How to Read a Book, he talks about how there's, you know, I think he's quoting Francis Bacon who said, some books should be tasted, some swallow, and some should be digested. Um, And those two, I got to remember reading Orthodoxy, and it's really good, but it's like every time I read it, I get a little bit of the next chapter. Like the first time I read it, I was just like, this is loony. (laughs) <laughs> Chesterton's um, yeah yeah and so mere christianity was kind of similar it was it, it gave you that foundation yet there's always stuff to dig out of it and uh i don't know bolster your faith with um and then almost anything by larry crabb or dan allender those guys uh which are usually counseling you know kind of counseling bent books yeah and then recently eugene peterson's been uh tim keller those two have been really getting into Eugene Peterson, Tim Keller, and then even Wendell Berry. I mean, he doesn't necessarily write on faith 
explicitly, but he, even in his fiction, is just able to capitalize on, like, you know, more than anybody I feel like I've ever read, he really is able to get you to see those philosophical points in his fiction, even. Or, you know, and then his essays are more direct about certain points, but... Scott, thank you for being here with us yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for thank sharing you. like just your stories and your life. Um, I hope that it sparks more conversation between you and others in our church. Uh, sure. Everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we hope to see you real soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Christ CityCast. Thank you to Rory and Scott for sitting down and having a conversation. We have a few more episodes scheduled to come out later this spring. But in order for these conversations to continue, we need your help. So come and find me and let's set aside a time to have a conversation where you can share some of your story with the rest of our faith family. The music for these episodes is provided by Young Oceans. So thank you to them and we... We'll see you on the next episode, if not sooner. Thanks.